0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. The gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our New Testament reading today is one of my favorite passages, in part because it orients me, and I think should orient all of us to what it is we are doing here after all. Paul says after having said that if anyone is in Christ what you have is a new creation the old is gone the new has come all this he says all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. When we hear that word reconciliation, we may not immediately think about the full scope of what it is that Paul is talking about here. You may be thinking about the time that your brother and you got into a fight, and your mom made you reconcile, so you had to apologize to each other, but While her back was turned, you stuck your tongue out. You may be thinking about some reconciliation that had to happen at the office or maybe at school. It wasn't really a reconciliation. It was just a papering over of some conflict in order to keep the people above you happy. Now, the reconciliation that Paul is talking about here is cosmic in scope. If you go back and think about the fall of humankind think about the story we get in Genesis in chapters 3 where we're presented with the opportunity to follow what God has told us or to go our own way we can follow the good rules that God has established walk in the good way that he has shown us or we can decide that we're a little smarter than he is at least that we want to be and we'll do things our way. Thank you very much. What are the results of that? Absolute destruction. We find out, first of all, that our relationship with God is broken. After this happened, God was walking in the the garden, and Adam hid from him. Adam and God used to walk in the garden together, and yet here Adam is hiding which is kind of dumb because you know God's omniscient right when God asks where are you it's not like he doesn't know you ever play hide and seek with a three-year-old so this relationship with God is broken and one of the reasons that that's broken is that Adam and Eve noticed that they were naked and they were ashamed shame enters the picture thanks to sin human beings are no longer reconciled to themselves, we have a guilty conscience. We have that nagging voice that reminds us that we did not do the things we should have done and we did the things we should not have done. We find too that our relationships with one another are broken. What happens when God says, what did you do, Adam? He says, well, this woman, the the woman you gave me, she gave it to me it's her fault husband of the year award but what you find described there is is the the very beginning of interpersonal conflict you have mutual suspicion where you used to have mutual trust when the bible says adam and eve were were naked it doesn't just mean they didn't have any clothes on it means that they were completely vulnerable to one another completely open with one another. They had perfect intimacy with one another. And then when shame enters the picture now, now they start to cover up. Now they start to put up walls between them. What once was a relationship of perfect joy and delight, complete sharing, is now one of mutual distrust and hostility. And we read, God says to the man, because of what you've done, your labor will be toilsome. And there was labor before that in the garden. God put Adam in the garden to tend and keep it. That's work. Even if you like gardening, you know that that's work. But He says now, you're going to have to scrape out a living from this ground. And whereas once this ground simply produced everything that you needed, now now you're going to have to start weeding going to produce thorns and thistles this is the the introduction of economic scarcity without scarcity there's no economics so if you hated economics when you took it you can thank adam but of course adam stands in for all of us all of us as the songwriter sarah groves said if i were honest with myself if i were standing at that tree my face and my hands would be covered with fruit So all of this is broken. Our relationship with God, our relationship with our own selves, with one another and with the good creation that God has given us. All of this is broken. And why is it broken? It's broken because of sin. It's broken because of our rebellion, our choice to tell God, no, we want to do it our way. So when Paul tells us that God reconciled us to himself through Christ. He's telling us the good news that all of the effects of this curse are being reversed. And what's important is he says that God was in Christ reconciling the world, all of everything to himself, not counting people's sins against them. If sin is what caused the problem in the first place, then sin has to be dealt with. And Paul is saying very clearly, sin has been dealt with by our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. And he committed that message to us. What that means, Paul says, is that we are ambassadors. And in, in the Greek, it's a verb. We do the work of an ambassador. He doesn't say, if you want to, you could be an ambassador. No, he says, we are ambassadors. I mean, you may be a lousy one, but you are an ambassador. You are a walking billboard for Jesus Christ. And so we implore people, for Christ's sake, be reconciled to God. That's a perfectly legitimate translation of that, by the way. Yours probably has something polite, like, we implore you on Christ's behalf. But No, for Christ's sake, be reconciled to God. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us in order that in him we might become God's righteousness. And so as God's fellow workers, as the people that God has called to partner with Him, we urge you not to receive that grace in vain. For He says, In the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. And I told you that this was one of my favorite verses, one of my favorite passages in Scripture, and yet it wasn't until just this week that I realized where Paul got that verse in chapter 6, verse 2, when he says, for God says, in the time of favor I heard, I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. That, that comes from Isaiah. Chapter 49, which reads, Listen to me, you lands, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, Yahweh called me. From my birth, he made mention of my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, You are my servant Israel in whom I will display my splendor. But I said, I've labored to no purpose. I've spent my strength in vain and for nothing. This is the voice of a people who are in exile, who have been sent out of their land, who have been defeated. You say you're my servant in whom I'll display my splendor? Uh, I'm in Babylon. What are you talking about? Yeah, what is do me is in Yahweh's hand, and my reward is with my God. And now Yahweh says, he who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and gather Israel to himself. This is another, th- another instance where God's talking about reconciliation of things that were broken. You have the, the, the tribe of Israel had had suffered civil war and split into northern and southern kingdoms and now God's talking about bringing them back together for I am honored in the eyes of Yahweh and my God has been my strength he says it's too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept I mean, that's a big deal. You're talking about reuniting a nation, bringing back the the lost tribes which had been scattered. I mean, that was what the Assyrians did when they conquered a people. They took some of your people and put them somewhere else, took some of those people and brought them in to, to, to deny you any sense of national identity, to try to disperse you. But it's too little a thing even to undo that. No, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles in order that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. And this is what Yahweh says, the Redeemer and Holy One of Israel, to him who is despised and abhorred by the nation, to the servant of rulers, kings will see you and rise up. Princes will see and bow down because of Yahweh who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. Of course, we read this and we see that God is speaking this to his people, Israel. But we also know, because we can't help but hear all the resonances, that this is also being spoken to the one who fulfilled all of the promises made to Israel, the one who fulfilled all of the mission given to Israel. Kings will see you and rise up. Princes will see And bow down we see this fulfilled when the magi come and bow down before the infant jesus bringing their gifts and this is what yahweh says in the time of my favor i will answer you in the day of salvation i will help you i'll keep you i'll make you to be a covenant for the people to restore the land and to reassign its desolate inheritances to say to the captives come out and to those in darkness be free This is what is behind what Paul says when he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. And the wild thing about this, this perhaps most most concentrated, most vivid articulation that Paul gives us in all his writings, of what it is to be the church, what it is to recognize the mission that he's given us, is that he is saying this to a church that is as screwed up as a church could possibly be. If you've read the Corinthian correspondence, right, you know he'll throw out little things like, you excel in every way, and mostly they excelled in, in making him really frustrated. So he says this as he's pleading with them you please cooperate? <laughs> can, can you stop fighting amongst each other long enough to actually get something done for Jesus? Right? Can, can you just listen to what I'm telling you instead of always trying to find a better offer from somebody else? Don't receive God's grace in vain. After that, he has to go on with his defense of his ministry. One of the things that is a great joy for me as I read passages like this is to know that I have never had to put myself in Paul's shoes. You think he's mad here? Wait till you get the last few chapters of this. He absolutely just pops off. He, it's, it's, he just massive Pauline rant. But my prayer for us. My prayer for us at St. Andrews is that we would not receive God's grace in vain. I don't think we have. but I pray that we would continue to realize that God has entrusted us with the responsibility to be his ambassadors, to be walking billboards for Jesus Christ, to share the good news that God was in Christ reconciling the whole world to himself, not counting people's sins against them, he entrusted that message to us. So let me close with this prayer for mission. Everliving living God, whose will it is that all should come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ, inspire our witness to Him that all may know the power of His forgiveness and the hope of His resurrection who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.